0: I'm LaDonna Kruger, and I am a visual artist. I paint in pastel medium. I sell my work through galleries and online, and I enter a lot of jury shows, which I love. I've been a Christian since I was a little child, but 10 years ago, I faced something I had never, you know, faced before. I was diagnosed with choroidal melanoma, a tumor, in my left eye. And as an artist, that's a little scary because it means I could lose my life, I could lose my eye completely, or I could lose my vision. God's with you all the time. I I had known that, but when you're facing something difficult, um, extremely difficult, you learn it in a different way. When my diagnosis went out, I had people all across the world, basically, who were praying for me. When you have people like that praying for you, you feel it. The other thing that was really precious to me that I learned was the value of God's Word and how it comforts you. When I would close my eyes and go to sleep in the dark, I would have um, lights that would roll across my eye. And so I had trouble sleeping. So I would go upstairs and I would just read you know, out of my Bible. But when I would do that, it's like, The stress level just, I could feel it coming down. I ended up with an amazing doctor, surgeon, and um, had radiation. I knew this was coming because I was told by the doctors, but I started to lose my vision little by little. It's not the tumor itself that caused it, it's the radiation treatment. That's one of the downsides. I really cried out to God, said, help me. Handle this in a way that will please you. Everything he said, stop looking and paying attention to your vision loss. Stop focusing on the problem and look up to me. Every time I would start moving in that direction, I would remind myself of God's words and I would refocus and change my, and get busy and do things that I knew God wanted me to do. And you know, I did lose my vision, almost all of it, but not all of it. It has now been 10 years since I was diagnosed. And I did some research um, once, and it said the average life rate of someone with choroidal melanoma is five years. Well, I've doubled that. So as far as the tumor is concerned, I go in now just once a year for checkouts. I gave Dr. Scalett a painting of mine that she hung in her office and she said, I use your story a lot about being an artist, about losing your vision in the one eye and still being able to paint. So to me, that's a blessing that I got to do and share and encourage others um, with my story. Sometimes when you, you think you're facing difficult things, know that God walks with you. He helps you, and then he blesses you.
1: What a great line. Lord, help me to handle this in a way that honors you when it's suffering. Uh, that is so powerful. And I love what LaDonna said about get your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on the Lord. Uh, in all of our lives, not just hers, but in all of our lives, there are hurdles. There, Listen, sometimes there are problems and there are even mountains in front of us. And it's hard to fix your eyes upon Jesus when you're looking at the problem, the mountain in front of you. And maybe today, uh, the biggest thing that God's going to speak to you is get your eyes on me, refocus back on me, uh, what he was asking you to do. So, LaDonna, thanks for sharing that and using your art for Jesus, some of our art's in this church on a regular basis, and she now will be hosting a gallery uh, soon in downtown Olympia if you'd like to come see our art, so let, just let me know. <laughs> I'm just wondering if anybody's buying that at all, I don't know. <laughs> So, thank you. Wow. If you have a Bible today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 27. And this is the last um, message in this uh, series called Anchored. And uh, I got this anchor from Hobby Lobby because that's where Jesus shops. And, um, <laughs> and I wanted to just kind of use this as an illustration a few weeks ago. I talked about it and again today because um, as believers in Jesus, there's so much in this world that goes up and down. Our friendships, our relationships, our finances, our health, it's up and down all the time. There's days you just get up and emotionally you feel healthy. And there's days you get up and you just got nothing and you don't even know why. Sometimes your best friends are real supportive and encouraging. And sometimes the people around you, you want to kick them to the curb for a while, right? But here's the great thing in this life, whether it's cancer, whether it's divorce, whether it's pain or sorrow or your job or whatever it is, you can like cling to Jesus during those hard times. He's the anchor that doesn't go up and down. He's the one who stays. He's the one who remains. He's the one that you can hold on to and say, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen in this life, but I'm going to hold on to you. And I know for my life, there's been times where I said, God, this isn't a season I want to be in. But if I'm going to have to walk through this season, I'm definitely walking through it clinging to you as my hope. You are my anchor in my life. Uh, 2004 was one of those years where I was just like, God, I am not liking my life at all. You ever had a year where you didn't like your life? 2020, anybody? I'd rather clean, like, all the gas station bathrooms in Lacey than go through that again. Like. And sometimes we go through seasons of life of hardship and, and struggle. And listen, just like you can't, like, say, when I get my life figured out, then I'm going to come to, to the Lord's. Right? like People say it all the time, when I get a few things figured out in my life, then I'm going to really come to God and live for God and all that stuff. Like You just got to come to God as you are. You can't come to God as you ain't, right? And the reality is this, like we don't say, well, God, I'm going to serve you when I get through this storm in my life. Now, wisdom says, God, I'm going to serve you especially during the times that are storming in my life. There's maturity in that, and my story was certainly pointing to that. So the Apostle Paul is the um, person we're going to read about today in Acts chapter 27. If you were here last week, we started this text, and we're going to try to complete it uh, today. Um, the Apostle Paul, there's one word that really describes this guy, and, uh, and I think this is a cool word. Uh, really, the Apostles Paul, his faith was relentless. Isn't that a great word? Like, his faith was resilience. Somebody even say his faith was tenacious. And you kind of go, how does a guy have that kind of faith in his life? And I don't like the answer to the question. Because the answer to the question is he went through a lot of fires. He went through a lot of suffering. He went through a lot of persecution. So when believers who hadn't been through the same kind of fires that he had been through, when they would walk through it, they would, they would jump ship. And Paul be like, I've been here before. I know that God's able to carry me through this again. I've been persecuted. I've been, like, physically attacked for my faith. And it, and it brought out this resiliency, this relentlessness in him. And, man, I want to be more like that. Um, sometimes I honestly was like, God, can I just, like, have that kind of faith, but in a life that's really favored and blessed, <laughs> right? And really, we can't. There's a certain part of growing in God that only happens through hardship, and we all have to endure it. Someone said, calm seas never made a good sailor. Because when the sea is still, no one really grows or learns. But when those things are hard, that's when we cling to the Lord. He's our anchor. Paul said it like this. He said, "...five times I received from the Jews, 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. I was pelted with stones. I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move, in danger from rivers and bandits and Jews and Gentiles, in danger in the city and in the country, in danger at sea and in danger from false believers. He said, "...I've labored and I've toiled and I've gone without sleep." And hunger and thirst, I've gone without food, I've been cold and naked. We know that Paul was stoned to death, or at least his enemies thought he was dead. He was left for dead. And in this text, he's even shipwrecked for his faith. The ingredient for his faith to be relentless is having walked through fires and come out still standing. Listen, the Lord will sustain you in what you're walking through. It doesn't mean that you'll have all the answers and the victories and the joys and the blessings that maybe you want but listen, God is with you, and God is for you. And he's really with you during those times. As a pastor, sometimes I see people press into God during the hardest days of their lives. And then sadly, when they get through that window, sometimes life isn't so hard, and they don't press in so much. And maybe that's been your story a little bit. You've been, you've been through a hard time, where you'd never been in your Bible every day until that season. And you'd never been in church every Sunday until that season. you have never been serving in ministry. And then life got a little easier and you kind of let off the gas. Man, accelerating your faith and cling to Jesus during all times in your life. So Paul is a prisoner because of his faith. If you were here in the scripture last week, we read about it. Paul is, uh, is, is kind of a cool story in, in Acts 24 through 26. Paul is passed back and forth like, like the Jews wanted to kill him. The Romans don't know what to do with him. Uh, he's passed around and interviewed by Felix and Festus and Agrippa, secular kings and leaders. And he appeals to Rome. And so they put him on a boat and so say, go to Rome. Like, we don't know what to do with you, so we'll just send you off to Rome. And Paul says, at times in his life, he said, when I came to Corinth, as he was writing uh, in, in, in Corinthians, he said, I came to you in much weakness and fear and trembling. I mean, that doesn't seem like, you know, but they'd set Paul in front of a king, and he would just say, hey, you need Jesus, and I need Jesus, and I met Jesus on the road to Damascus, let me tell you that story, and they'd throw him to somebody else and say, hey, you need Jesus, I need Jesus, let me tell you my story, and he was just this kind of bold guy, and I don't really picture him being like kind of fragile, but he said that he was, in much weakness and in fear and trembling, it's a, uh, fragile is not a word you usually associated with apostles, Apostles pray with people and people are healed. They preach to people and they're convicted of their sins. But this is the story of Paul. This is, this is what's true of him. And maybe it's this, you, you see your own suffering, but hopefully you see the suffering of people around you. Because it's easy to know our own struggles, isn't it? Watch this about this guy. So much abuse, so many attacks, so much physical suffering. Uh, the center of attention, being a lightning rod everywhere He went. I think he's almost like crawling into the city of Corinth at that time, just saying, I got nothing left. Like, God, I thought I'd be dead by now. I died to myself. I'm serving you. Like, why am I still alive? And one night the Lord said to Paul in a vision, do not be afraid. And I think God says that to you quite often. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent for I am with you and no one is going to attack you and harm you because I have many people in this city. And perhaps, like Paul, there's times in your life where the hurt, the pain, the betrayal, the physical, like health issues, and you're just like God. I'm just fragile. Just to be honest, God, like this is wearing me out, and I know I'm supposed to come in here and be someone for these people and, and lead my family and minister to people, whatever it is. But God, I'm just, I'm just done. And God says, "Do not be afraid." Cause you imagine if you were beaten up when you went into new cities. And if religious people from the last city you were in chased you down and turned the locals against you, and so they rioted and they threw rocks at you. Like, yeah, I'm kind of worn out from that, God. I'm kind of done with that. And God says to Paul, do not be afraid. Let me say this to, to you. I think this is important that we remember this. When God is with you, you can keep going. Come on, that's nothing to do with your circumstances. When God is with you, you can keep going. The time to be fearful in your life is when you've stopped being convicted by the Holy Spirit. It's when you just started living according to your flesh, whatever you feel like doing. And you're not honoring God in your life. and You're not hearing his voice in your life. That's the time to be concerned because maybe maybe you've pushed God away in your life in some capacity. But man, whatever the trials and the struggles, if God is with you, you can keep going. What did he say? He said, I will be with you to the very end of the age. So you just keep going. You just keep living for God and let him take care of the details. God is with you, and God is for you. You may not have the family or the money or the friends or the health that you wish you had, but if you have God, you can keep going. So God says, don't be afraid. Keep doing what I've called you to do. I am with you. You are not alone in serving me, Paul. There are others, and that's true for you and for me. So don't give in to fear, church, and don't give in to discouragement. By Paul's accounts, or by many people's account of Paul's life, he probably should have given up by now. If he was just living in his human strength, he certainly would have. But he invited the Lord to lead his life, and he invited God's strength to be his strength. This is important. Sometimes we miss this. When you have the courage to say, Lord, here's the reins of my life. You lead my life. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you lead my life and direct and control. I'm giving the reins of my life over to you. I'm not going to control myself. And that's a scary and powerful thing. But do you know when you give God the reins to your life, you also get his strength back from him. You're no longer just going, God, you lead my life and I'll be over here my minimal strength. When you give your life to the Lord, he fills you with a strength that's bigger than you. It's like a trade-off. And people don't really realize that. Like, oh, I'm going to try to. No, you have this new strength in you because God's in your life and he's leading your life. So we're going to talk today about this voyage of the Apostle Paul. A voyage means nothing more than really like a boat ride. How many people have been on a boat ride in your life? How many people have been on a cruise ship? Okay, anybody been in the Navy? You guys, got it. You guys get this better than the rest of us, all right? I've been on a kayak, so I get it. Uh, <laughs> I kayaked at night one time. I thought it was so cool just being out there in the lake in the dark. And, and then all of a sudden, all these bats started swarming me. And I was like, whoa. And I took my paddle, and I was trying to knock the bats out of the air, you know. And, and I was laughing. I think God was laughing with me. It was a great time. Uh, mo- most of my boating experience is lakes. You know, it's not like these big, incredible boats. But this is, this is a boat. If you missed last week, like they were... You know, the prisoners are put on one boat, but then they trade into a much larger boat. And they got to sail from, like, you know, Eastern Europe around the south of Crete all the way up to the boot of Italy. They're heading to Rome. Paul's appealed to Rome, and he's with a bunch of other uh, prisoners. And there's a man named Julius who really is like a, like a, a Roman officer who's like special ops. Like, like his specialty is, is really like dealing with the criminals. And he brings prisoners to places, and he knows how to keep them and not lose any of them and hopefully keep them alive, and make them account for their uh, crimes. So Paul gets put on a boat with a bunch of prisoners, and it's a month-long journey. I mean, I don't know about you, but in a first century giant boat, and people are throwing up, and you know, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. I'll take the Royal Caribbean over that one any day, right? And so they're on this boat, and and it says this, the navigation uh, in, in the, the Mediterranean was dangerous after September 14th, and it was considered impossible after November 11th. Why is this so important? The Apostle Paul, uh, picking up in the story from last week, he says, hey, um, there's going to be trouble. Like, we, we, we have to stop because if we pressed on, I, I fear there's going to be great difficulty. In fact, it already says they struggled with great difficulty. They finally arrived, but they had lost a lot of time. And Paul says in chapter 27, verse 10, Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain, obviously, and the owner than to Paul. For 14 days and nights, the ship was in the grip of a typhoon. They decided to push on and see if they can make Phoenix rather than than stop at a safer port. They wanted to be in a bigger port with more things to do. By the way, if you're stuck somewhere all winter, you probably want to be in a safer, bigger place, maybe with more to do. A bunch of prisoners. So for 14 days, a typhoon came. The crew uh, tried to lighten the ship's load by throwing the, the deck cargo overboard. They even threw the tackle overboard, the scripture says. In the darkness of the storm... They could not take their bearings from the sun or from the stars. And all hope had eventually been lost. The sailors thought they were lost. The prisoners definitely thought they were lost. Even the captain and Julius and the the captain of the guard. And it's a desperate time. People are not eating. And the sea is is bashing the boat. And they're afraid the boat's going to tear apart. They even run cables or ropes under the boat to keep it together. And here's what I said last week, and I think it's still important and worth repeating. In a hopeless situation, church... Someone needs to bring hope, and maybe that someone is you. And I want to remind you of this. Like there's, it's easy today to just kind of go, the times are getting worse, and they're only going to get worser, and, and there's never going to be any hope, and we just got to hang on until this world dies or Jesus comes back. And I understand that. I watch the news. I see that. I feel that. But I got to tell you, I met with a Christian leader recently, and he said, I've been praying, and I believe there is a new awakening coming to America. And I was like, bro, where has this guy been? <laughs> Like, you need to come preach in my church, right? Maybe God's not done, even though the world is doing some really stupid things. Maybe there's another awakening to happen, and if there is, sign me up, right? I'm for that. I believe that. In a hopeless situation, someone needs to bring hope, and maybe that someone is you. And maybe that's your family. Maybe that's your workplace. Maybe you work in a place where people are hurting. Or maybe you work in a place that's dark, And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to say, when you cross the threshold of work, the light and the love and the joy of the Lord comes in with you. The hope of God arrives with you. Wow. Hope comes through. Acts chapter 27. I'm going to have to try to, you know, go ahead uh, some ways all the way to verse 27. I think we'll take it there. Um, They hadn't been eating. Uh, Paul said, you should have listened to me. It says about midnight, uh, verse 27, about midnight on the 14th night of the storm as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors um, uh, sensed that land was near and they dropped the weighted line and found that there was, uh, the water was 120 feet deep. And then they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. Now let me just ask a question. Is this good news or bad news if you're in a typhoon? I mean, 120 feet deep and all of a sudden you're only 90 feet deep. You're like, hey, we're getting closer to shore. Which might sound like good news, except there's a typhoon going and the boat has been breaking up as you've been going. And if that boat breaks up on the rocks, it's not going to be pretty. So it says, at this rate, they were afraid that they would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. And so they threw out four anchors. Last week, it was just the one. But this week, it's four anchors from the back of the ship. And they prayed for daylight. Wow, let me remind you of this important truth. Sometimes a self-imposed anchor keeps you from self-destruction. Sometimes you can't wait for someone else to give you some discipline, you know, to lead you or parent you or guide you or shepherd you. Sometimes you have to say, I'm not going in a good direction. My life's a bit out of control. I'm not steering well or I'm going too fast. And so I'm going to intentionally throw out some anchors and slow myself down so I don't destroy myself on the rocks that are ahead of me man, you can't wait for somebody else to do that. You have to be mature enough to make that decision yourself. A lot of people have broken up with someone because they self-imposed some anchors and they didn't want to break up, but they knew they needed to. Some people have left their jobs because of that. Some people have moved residencies. like, I got to do this because I need to make sure my life honors God. I don't want to be out of control. I don't want to bash against the rocks. They're afraid for their lives, so they threw out these four anchors self-imposed slowdown maybe if you're out of control there's something you need to do with that and it says that this time that the the sailors uh, is this time like when Paul says hey we're going to break apart if we don't if we don't do something this time Julius the Roman officer listens to Paul why does he do that because Paul's earned the right to be heard Paul gets on the boat, and he's got Luke with him. He's got his own physician. He's got a a friend who might be considered like maybe a servant or his helper. When when they stop at certain cities, like Julius lets Paul go spend time with his friends as long as there's a soldier with him. And and somehow he sees Paul, and he goes, hey, listen, this guy's educated. This guy's got a, a, a couple people with him taking care of him. This is not your normal prisoner, and gets treated differently for sure. And as Paul speaks and as Paul, as they watch Paul live and they see the the hope in Paul's eyes and the wisdom that he brings, suddenly he has an audience with an important person. Don't miss that. Live your life with wisdom. Know when to speak and when to shut up. And when God gives you an opportunity to actually earn the right to be heard, use that and have a voice in your life. It does for Paul. So Paul suddenly is being listened to. He stood out among his peers because he was classy and respectable. And I hope that's true of us, man. I hope that people look at us and they go, man, that that woman is classy. I respect that guy, the way he handles himself. In verse 30, it says, Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out um, anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, You will die unless the sailors uh, stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. How do you like that? Not only with a bunch of prisoners, but the guys who actually know what they're doing is try to get away and leave you to die, <laughs> taking off on the lifeboats. And Paul says, "You better, you better cut that boat loose." I don't know what you, what you think, but you, when you're in a typhoon and a storm and a boat that's broken apart, and you know you like the only way is to swim ashore at some point. Like, there's no Plan B when the lifeboat is cut loose. Right? It's not like a well, few of us are going to survive. It's like. We all got to run this thing ashore and just swim our hearts out. No plan B. I wonder if maybe you identify in this situation. Listen, Paul was surrounded by soldiers who didn't care for him, prisoners who were probably some of the worst in society, sailors that were trying to save their own lives who didn't care if he died. Let me say it like this. Persevere when surrounded by the wrong people. Come on, this is for some of us today. Persevere in your life. He's stuck on a ship with them. There's bad weather and even worse company. Maybe you've traveled with difficult people before. Maybe you work with difficult people. Perhaps because of choices in your life, you live or you're connected with someone who's a a difficult or even intolerable person in your life. Paul persevered when he was surrounded by the wrong people, and you can too. Paul interacted with people around him. What choice did he have? He ministered to the people he was stuck with. He surrounded himself with friends as, as good people and good friends as much as he could. And the Lord gave him an extra bandwidth, an extra measure of strength and patience to, to, be, to live with that, to persevere with difficult people around him, unhealthy people around him. And Paul says this, "Please eat something for your own good," verse 27, or chapter 27, verse 34, "For not a hair of your heads will perish." Then he took some bread, gave thanks to before God and all of them, and he broke a piece and he ate it. And then everyone was encouraged, and they all began to eat, all 276 of us on board. Man, that is a crew. And after eating, they, they lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. You know life's getting bad when you're throwing the food overboard, right? Throw the owner's tackle. I don't care about that. But you're throwing all the wheat overboard? Uh, it's worth repeating that offloading is essential for survival. There are times in your life where you have to say, this used to be important. It's not now. This used to be priority, but it's no longer the priority in my life. This, this used to be worth the time and the energy that I used to give to it. But times are changing. My priorities are changing. Maybe my dreams are changing in my life. Life is greater than stuff, so let go of the grain or whatever it is that sometimes holds you back. Listen, imagine if this, if this boat that's breaking apart is a mile from the shore. How many at night during a typhoon in the dark, in the rain, could swim a mile in the dark, like you know, towards the island if you saw that there was an island there? I mean, if you lighten that load and the boat gets maybe within a half mile, do maybe some of us survive who would have drowned? That's what happens when we offload things. It leads to life. Some of the things in our lives are life and death situations. And we say, I don't I don't want this controlling vice in my life any longer. If I don't offload it, someone's going to die. Maybe there's something like that in your life. Let go of the stuff that holds you back. Um, so the soldiers cut the ropes of the boat away. Verse 40, let's pick up all the way down at verse 40, if you have your Bible with you. Um, it says this, they cut the anchors and they left them in the sea. That's called littering, but they did it, all right? Um, then they lowered the rudders, the foresail towards the shore. They hit a shoal and they ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast and while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and it began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. What happens if you're a Roman soldier and somebody in your care escapes? That's on your head, Right? You die in their place. You're, you're imprisoned in their place. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let any of them carry out their plan. He ordered that they all could swim, all who could swim would jump aboard, overboard, and make it for land. The others held on to planks or debris for the broken ship from the broken ship, and everyone escaped to safely to shore. Paul's word from the Lord came true: no one's gonna die. The ship's gonna break apart, but no one's gonna die. And you kind of look at this story, you go, This is amazing! Like everybody lives. Everybody's, you know, hopeless and suddenly everybody lives. And then verse 28. Once we were on the shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. And the people on the island were very kind to us, and it was cold and rainy. So they built a fire on the shore and they welcomed us with little umbrellas and our drinks. It was awesome. Again, it feels like it's really good. Verse 3. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks, he was laying, uh, the, and as he was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. This guy cannot catch a break. Just add that to the list of you know, all the things that have happened to him. A poisonous snake bites him on the hand. The people on the island saw it hanging from his hand, and they said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook the snake off, shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The guy pulled a Taylor Swift and just shook it off right there, right? And the people, it says they waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and they decided he was a god. Wow. Shake off the attacks of the enemy. We gotta go there, right? <laughs> And it goes on to say that Paul meets with the leaders and Paul prays uh, for people and they're healed. And and Paul decides to live on mission everywhere he goes. Paul's going to live on mission in Jerusalem, in Rome, in Philippi, in all the cities that he's been to. He's going to live on the mission on the boat in front of Festus or Felix or whatever Jewish leader he's in front of. And once he hits this island, again, he's just living on mission. Listen, there's going to be losses in our lives. Following Jesus doesn't make your life easier. In fact, you grow during the hard parts of life. I believe that Paul understood the Lord's hand was on his life, even in times of suffering. And I wonder if you realize that God's hand is upon your life, even when you go through suffering. Even when you're walking through injustice, even fires of unfairness. In spite of the persecution, in spite of the pain, in spite of his surroundings, in spite of the free will decisions that others made that affected him and others make that affect you, God's hand was on his life and God's hand is on your life. Turbulent times don't have to lead to to weaker faith. Turbulent times can lead to stronger faith. Um, As we come to a close, I want to remind you of this. On all those uh, news channels, you know, maybe, maybe just if you turn on the evening news, CBS, NBC, ABC, there's this one person, and they're called, they're, they're the head of the news that brings the news to you every night in your living room at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and they're called the news anchor, right? The news anchor. They kind of hold the whole thing together. And it's supposed to be this, when you see their, your, their face, you get comfortable with them, and you want to watch them on a regular basis. How about this? The person who, who runs that, that last leg of the race is called the anchor leg of the race because they bring us home as a team. I think Jesus is the one who holds life together, and he's the one who brings us home. Can we take a moment and just bow our heads? Lord, you're the one that holds life together. It's not money. It's not another human. But we can't trust in our circumstances. We'll be joyful one day and miserable the next. So, Lord, we anchor our souls to you. And, Lord, we're going to serve you during the good days. We're going to worship you during the good days. We're going to follow you and live for you. We're going to live on mission every day of our life. And that includes the times of the storms. And others might look at us and say, why don't you curse God? Why don't you complain more about your situation? But Lord, you give us a deeper strength when we give you the reins to our lives. And Lord, some of us today just need to declare, whatever may come, whatever people I have to persevere with or fire I have to walk through, I'm living for you and I'm going to honor you in this life.
2: I'm sure by now God you would have reached out and wiped our tears away stepped in and saved the day once again say amen and it's still raining and as the thunder rolls I barely hear Whisper through the rain I'm with you And as your mercy falls I raise my hand Praise the God who gives Takes away And I'll praise you in this storm And I will lift my hand are who you are, no matter where I am, every tear I've cried that you hold in your hand. You never left my side. and though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. I remember when you stumbled in the wind and heard my cry and you raised me up again my strength is almost gone can I carry on if I can't find you and as the thunder rose I barely Whisper through the rain, I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. I'll praise You in this storm and I. Are who you are, no matter where I am, and every tear I've cried, you hold it in your hands, you never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. I lift my eyes up to the hills where does my help come from my help comes from the Lord maker of heaven and earth I lift my eyes up to the hills where does my help come from my help comes from the Lord maker of heaven and earth I lift my eyes up to the hills Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord Maker of heaven and earth And I'll praise you in this storm And I will lift my hands For you are who you are No matter where I am And every tear I've cried you hold in your hand You never left my side. And though my heart is torn I will praise you in the storm And though my heart is torn I will praise you in the storm
1: And I invite you to all stand together. Can we stand and bow our heads for just a couple more minutes? Lord, you've never left our side. Sometimes God, we've turned our back on you, but you've never left us. And Lord, today it's our opportunity to say, God, whatever comes, whatever the future holds. However this relationship changes, whatever my body does and reacts differently, the hopes that come to pass and the hopes that don't, perhaps, God, the persecution that will come if I will live for you and the fires I will have to walk through, regardless of all those things, I choose to live for you. if you're here today and that is your prayer would you just lift up your hand and show us a God regardless of what the future comes I choose to live for you I'm holding on to you I'm going to cling to you you're the anchor of my life thank you God for some when the storms come it seems their faith is wiped out we don't want that to be our story When the storms come, help us to cling tighter to the anchor of our faith, to the Son of God who went through more than we will ever go through. The sinless one was crucified by the sinners, that he might be the hope of the world. Lord, if anybody's pulling for us today, it's you. If anybody can be with us everywhere at all times, it's you. If anyone can mend our broken heart, it's you. And so we choose to walk with you the rest of this life until we get home, not living for other humans, not living for money, not living for pleasure, no living with far more hope than that. The hope of heaven, the God who loves us, created us and gave us purpose in this life. Our sins can be forgiven because of you. Lord, today somebody needs to walk into their workplace this week and bring hope with them, bring joy with them, bring light with them into our dark place. If that word was for somebody here, let them decide and commit to it. God, thank you that you're with us and you're for us in shipwrecks and every day of life. We need you and we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Isn't God good? Come on, God is good to us. I hope you uh, just feel blessed and encouraged to be in church today. Go home and watch the Seahawks win. Oh, never mind. But go have a great day uh, this afternoon. Bless someone, encourage someone else before you go. All right, God bless you guys.